grace is enough. I, I want to share something with y'all. When we were on vacation, go ahead and have a seat. Um, we had gone out to a little a little beach that was uh, protected, environmentally protected from any development. It was real natural. And um, we really didn't know what we were getting into, but we had to walk about 400 yards forward towards the water. And we didn't know it, but there were really like muddy, wet areas that you had to cross in order to get to the shoreline. And we didn't know any better, so we just took off with all of our kids. And Paul and Pete ran. But me and the girls walked pretty slow. And this thought just keeps coming to me today during worship and we got so stuck in the mud and I've got three little girls that don't even like to like watch a baseball game because you have to sit in the bleachers and there's dirt under your feet I mean that's how my girls are we don't like to be dirty and we dance and we don't get dirty and so there we all are in this mud and I'm telling you this was gross mud this was mud I had Sarah Beth stepped into it and she got mud up to her past her ankles and her shoes fell off in the mud and so I'm over there and she's screaming and she's crying and I'm over there trying to dig the flip-flops out of the mud and at the same time about four or five feet away from me Ruth Ann gets stuck in the mud the same way and her shoes are off and she's crying and everybody's crying and I'm standing there and Paul and Pete are of course just having fun at shoreline by now and and I'm saying I, I'm so sorry and this is so sad and it's so muddy and it's so gross and let me help you and let me help you and, I, and, and as I'm sitting here thinking about this, at some point I looked at the girls and I said, okay, you got to stop crying. You got to get a hold of yourself because we've walked all the way out here and here we sit. And it's a long way back to the car and it's a long way back up to the shore, but one way or the other, we got to make it. And so the thought keeps coming to me this morning during praise and worship is, you know what? Don't sit here and feel stuck because I think it's so easy to get halfway into it and you've got your you literally have mud up to your knees or probably some of you feel like it's up to your neck and don't feel stuck because you're not stuck and and so we got to keep our focus on the lord because it's so easy to just sit in that mud and get stuck and not just quit but i'm not quitting this morning i'm not going to quit and we're going to keep our focus on the lord and we're going to keep going and so I want to encourage you today that wherever you are, keep going. Keep pressing through. Because you may be sitting in the biggest financial disaster you've ever been in your life. You know what? It didn't happen overnight. But you know what? You start walking out of that mud. You start walking and you take a step at a time and you keep your eye on the Lord. You may be sitting in a disaster of a marriage. But you know what? You keep your focus on the Lord. And you start taking it a step at a time. Because the Lord's got a plan and a purpose and it's good. And it's not to sit there in the mud. So thank you, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, that you're making a way for us, Lord. That you're making a way out of the mud this morning, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that we don't have to sit in the mud, Lord. That we don't have to sit in mud up to our necks, Lord. But that you deliver us, Lord. That you come, Lord, and you pick us up and you walk us through it, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, just like I picked up my girls, Lord, that day, Lord that you're here with us today and that you're picking us up, Lord, and you're putting our feet on solid ground, Lord, and that you're walking us up out of this mess, Lord God. And so we declare this morning, Lord, that we're going to follow you, Lord. Oh, that we set our eyes on you, Lord, and we don't take them off, Lord, and we don't surrender, Lord, and we don't give up, Lord, but we look to you, Lord, 
the author and the finisher of our faith, Lord. We look to you, Lord, and we set our eyes on you, and we set our hearts on you, Lord. And we're walking out of it, Lord, today, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord, that you're making a way, Lord, and you're setting our feet on solid ground this morning, Lord. Oh, come, Lord, come. Have your way, Lord. Let the plan of God be established in our lives this morning, Lord. Thank you, Father. You're good, Lord, and we trust you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team. There's a uh, there's an old story that kind of goes on this same order of what she was saying. She didn't share this at first service, but a uh, a mule or a donkey fell in a uh, uh, in a well and fell down at the bottom. Couldn't get back out. There's no way of getting the well the donkey back out. The owner was hearing the donkey cry all the time. And this is not a joke. Okay, this is just a don't think I'm setting you up. I'm not. Um, but the owner was tired of hearing it, just thought there's no way of fixing this. So he just decided, I'm just going to fill in the hole. I'm just going to bury the, uh, the donkey. And as the owner started to shovel dirt into the hole, the donkey started to realize this is it. It's over. And he was down there crying and crying and crying and crying. And the owner just thought it's eventually going to stop. Kept throwing the dirt on. And the donkey, not knowing, would get dirt on its back, shake it off, and take a step up. He'd throw more dirt on. He'd shake the dirt off his back and step up again. And he wound up walking his way out of the hole. Just as that dirt, it was just a different situation. Am I going to sit here and allow this dirt to keep piling on my head, or am I going to shake it off and continue to step up? The Lord has not left you. The Lord is with you, and he is going to help you through what you're doing. What she didn't tell you was, in the middle, at the climax of their moment, they were. she finally said, Paul, that's it. We're going back. She got halfway out there. I don't know that it was 400 yards. It probably seemed like 400 yards, but it was maybe 100 yards. But it was low tide, and it wasn't like normal low tide where you have these sandbars and you can walk on the sand. It was it was nasty mud, stuff that you couldn't get washed off. We tried to wash it off afterward and couldn't get it off. But about the time she said, that's it, I scream, shark! Sure enough, a shark. And now, we have fished off the, off the side of the ocean before and fished in little hammerhead sharks, you know, little one-footers or two-footers. But this thing came up with its dorsal fin, probably that much out of the water, and just started going up and down the beach with us. And she, all of a sudden she grabbed the kids again. She said, we're going. And here they come. All of a sudden they had new reason to make it. And sure enough, that shark stayed there for probably a good 15 minutes. Um, kind of freaked us all out. But... You want to think, well, that's not good. No, it was great. It's like seeing a deer on the side of the road. What a blessing to get to see God's creation. A shark is God's creation. God had a plan for us to walk through some stuff and to get through it and as a family see something that he created. I've got a plan for you. You're walking through something today, but you've got somewhere to go. Just like my mother said, we're not where we were, 
but we're not where we are, where we're going yet. And you feel stuck. Well, shake the dirt off and step up. We had to keep stepping up on top of this mud and go back down in and pull our foot out and step on again and pull our foot out and step on again. And my brother-in-law stepped his foot down, probably down to almost his knee and got bit by a crab under the sand. And his wife said, what did Paul do? Like I was going to go fight this crab. I said, well, I put my shoes on. He didn't pull his leg out and the crab was still stuck to it, but his leg was bleeding. No, I'm going to put my shoes on. I'm not going to let that happen to me. Anyway, what you're going through, keep on pushing. Your, your, our shoes got stuck in there to where we thought we were going to have to break our Crocs to pull them out, but we pulled them out. Keep on going after it. God's with you. Don't quit. Don't quit. You know, Jimmy Valvano said, don't quit. Don't ever, what did he say? Don't give up. Don't ever give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. This morning, we've got something a little bit special for you. Um, I, I read, I, I made mention during the communion about the blood of the lamb and the word of the testimony is how we overcome Satan. That's not all of that scripture. There's a little bit more to it. But um, we, we have a testimony this morning. Um, it says in uh, Revelation 12:11, it says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of the testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. I don't think we've done this on purpose as a church, but I believe church has removed the testimony because we're too interested in possibly an entertaining value. We lose entertainment value or we think that we do. And we just remove that from the whole, from the pulpit. And I see that we overcome Satan not just by the blood of the Lamb, but also by the word of the testimony. We need the testimony spoken. I have heard uh, of, a, of a ministry of a man that stood up and started talking about, started testifying about bipolar, being, being healed of bipolar, and five people in that congregation got healed of bipolar just by him talking about it. There is power in the testimony. And we're going to have a testimony this morning. Sammy and uh, Molly, would y'all please come up? Sammy Talent, Molly Talent. Um, the Lord has been moving in Sammy and in Molly. And they have been, um, they have been on fire. And I will tell you, there is a remnant. There is a, there is a, a small group of people in our church that have gotten absolutely on fire for God. And I'm telling you, you give your heart to the Lord, He's gonna, He's gonna set you on fire. And He's gonna make ways for you that you could not have gotten on your own. And I just want y'all, if y'all would, please welcome Sammy Molly and Bailey Talent. Good morning. Ain't it great to be in God's house this morning? Amen. Uh, my name is Sammy Talent. Uh, walk of a mess, number 68, table of James. Uh, we, uh, back in uh, January, um, I rededicated my life back here on the night that Joe McGee was here. Actually, on that Sunday morning, I didn't, uh, this morning when I talked, I didn't tell it all, uh, the whole process. But that Sunday, Sunday morning, he laid on me, I need to rededicate my life back and uh and uh and walk it a hundred percent as I could in the flesh body. Well I stood back here and didn't do anything. So that evening we was up at our uh, our house and uh Bailey said, You gonna go to church with me tonight? And I said, No, I've got things to do around the barn and stuff, so I didn't do it. Well what I didn't know about an hour 
I was down there getting ready to go to church that night. But I said, what are you, what are you doing? And I said, I'm going to church with him. Well, you just thought that I'd give her a million dollars. She's running around. So we, uh, we come to church, and uh, when uh, Joe McGee asked me if I wanted to rededicate their life to get saved, and I raised my hand. And I didn't really think I was, I was ushering that center door, and I really didn't think he'd seen me or Pastor Paul seen me. So I made two or three more steps and had both hands raised up. I wasn't going to leave here until I got rededicated that night. Well, we was on our way home at night, and I asked the girls, I said, did, uh, did you see what I'd done? They said, no. Of course, Bailey was sitting in the front seat, Molly sitting in the back. She, uh, she said, no. And I said, well, I said, I rededicated my life. And I said, you know, I got it back right with, with God. And Bailey's sitting there, and she said, uh, well, Daddy, I've been praying for you for years. I said, honey, you're not but, but eight, you know, but, but that's good. <laughs> but anyways, uh, about two, two weeks later after that, uh, a friend of mine called me and said, um, you ever heard of a walk for a mess? And I said, no. He said, well, it's a good thing. And he hung up. Well, two weeks after that, he, uh, another guy called me. I hadn't talked to him about probably, what, about a year and a half, I guess. He said, uh, have you ever heard of a walk for a mess? And I said, yeah, two weeks ago I heard, heard about it. I heard it's a good thing. He said, it is. And he hung up. But what I didn't know is they was planting a seed with me. You know, um, God had called me to go to this. And um, so we, I went and, and filled my paperwork out, and we went through the through the walk. And um, the walk for a mess is not a lock-in. It's not a retreat. It's a three-day journey with just you and Jesus. Um, basically, you uh, you go into it and... You pull out all the all the baggage and the garbage of your heart, and you let Jesus come in and just get deeper and deeper and get you on fire for him. And after that third day was up, um, I didn't want to go home. I didn't want to leave there. I didn't want to go on. Not that it was a church or not that it was anything. It was just you were so pure and clean when you was there and when you was coming out. You know, you was coming out into a world that hadn't been changed, but you had been changed. So... Um, so anyways, we, we came back out, and and, uh, and I guess it was on our fourth or my fifth day. Every day is the fourth day after you complete that. But on my fifth day, I guess it was, I kind of had a downfall a little bit. But, um, you know, we prayed about it and got back on track, you know, but it, everybody does. But during, uh, I told them this morning, during my walk, um, those people come from everywhere. They was ages from 20 to 70, um, all different wages of men. And uh, it was a, a moving experience because there was 48 men went through it. It was the largest group that ever went through this walk, and they said it was probably the rowdiest group that ever went through it. But uh, we learned a lot. We, we sung a lot. We praised a lot. But we, we worshiped Jesus. And it was unbelievable how 48 men could come together that was all across the country and could pull together and just sit back and watch them praise God, you know. And it showed me that, um, you know, I... I've always come to church and tried to do the things you needed to do, uh, but I didn't give it 100%. You know, and then since January, me and my family has pulled together. You know, we, we started our morning prayer. We started studying the truth. We started, we've actually went, went out and prayed over people, you know, and that's something that this old boy didn't used to do, you know. But uh, the power of God's really moving in our household, and, and uh, it's, I wouldn't change it for nothing. <laughs> But uh, this is Molly, and she's, she went through the walk also two weeks after I did, and, and uh, she wants to tell you about it. Well, the one thing that he didn't tell you is, oh, Molly Talent, Table of Rebecca, Walk 69. Uh, the one thing that he didn't tell you is that, you know, we had these people calling and, and 
asking him, you know, have you heard about the walk to Emmaus? And Sammy called me. He said, what is this? Do you know anything about it? And I said, well, I mean, I've heard about it. And, you know, I know everybody that goes through this is really blessed. Well, then somebody else called him. Well, then when he finally decided to do it, he called me. And he said, guess what I'm going to do? And I said, what? He said, I'm going to the walk to Emmaus. Of course, like any good wife would, I was like, oh, that is, that's great. And, I mean, and I was excited. And, and uh, he, you could tell the excitement in his voice. And, I mean, just as soon as I told him that was great, he was like, well, I'm glad you feel that way because two weeks later you're going. And I, there must have been silence because he said, are you there? And it was just like, you know how it is being a, a wife and a, a, just being a woman, you, you immediately think, I can't leave my family for three days. What are they going to do without me? Um, but instead, uh, as the things started to arise, there was several different things that came up. I mean, every day that I was gone, there was something major happening in our house, some, a major event going on um, that I was a part of. Uh, one of thing was uh, the father-daughter dance with Sammy and Bailey. You know, first thing I thought of, who's going to fix her hair? Who's going to get her ready? I mean, you just, all these things come to your mind. Then we had the dinner theater that um, not only was I having to participate in, but I was also having to make sure food for 100 was prepared. Um, then we had Bailey's birthday and mine and Sammy's uh, wedding anniversary. So it's like immediately Satan tries to throw all these things in my path to get me off focus. And I kept praying, and I kept thinking, you know, God, help me, you know. And he kept giving me confidence and security. And item, one thing by thing, he took care of it. I mean, of course, he didn't do it all at once. You know, it was kind of like he took one thing at a time. Um, you know, and, and, of course, we're blessed with such a wonderful family. I mean, I have got the best mother-in-law and father-in-law and sister-in-law anybody could ever ask for. I mean, all I had to do is say, hey, can you do this? And they were right there. I mean, if it hadn't been for them and my family here, I, we couldn't have done it. And I don't think Sammy thought I was going to go until he left me there that night. But uh, it, it was just an experience, you know, uh, to, to get to be there. And, you know, once we got through that first night and I saw and I got to, I can't explain it. But it's just like I knew that that's where I was supposed to be. And God kept telling me, there's good things for you here. You, you've got to be here. This is what you've got to do. And I kept on. And um, even before I went, the insecurity, you know, the not the fear, but, you know, just the unknown. Because I'm not one. Time doesn't bother me. I mean, I'm not on a real bad schedule. But I like to know kind of what's going on. And I kept asking a friend of mine that had been. I said, well, tell me about it. Oh, you'll love it. You'll love it. And I kept saying, well, now, we know each other well enough that you can tell me just a little bit more, can't you? And, I mean, and Sammy wouldn't even tell me anything. And uh, finally, I must have broke her down because she says, okay. She says, the best way that I can describe it is it's like getting a big old dose to Jesus before you ever get to heaven. And right then I knew that's where I had to be. And it was amazing. Like he said, the, uh, you meet all ages of people, uh, people from everywhere. And when the one thing that I remember the most, too, is when I had to get up, you have to tell them your name and where you're from and where you go to church. Well, of course, I got up, and I told them my name, and I said, and I'm from Church on the Hill. And they were like, now, where do you go to church? I said, Church on the Hill. And they're like, no, what is the name of your church? And I said, Church on the Hill, with both arms up. And they were like, oh, you go to the Church on the Hill in Allgood. And I said, yeah, that's it. And so immediately, even when I see people from... 
uh, my group out now in Livingston, the first thing they do is, there's church on the hill, you know. But we were with a group. Um, it, it's just amazing what God did for us and what he showed us. And, and we always talk about having eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to receive. And there he showed us how how to do that, how to see what he had for you and hear what he was trying to tell you and receive it. And I'm telling you what a blessing it was for us to be able to go and participate in that and experience it and be able to share it with you guys. And it is, um, it, it was an awesome experience. You was right. I, I would forget something. I about forgot the most important part. On my, on my second night of my walk, um, uh, we had a sanctuary time, and uh, we went into the sanctuary, and, and um, of course, I'd, I'd rededicated my life back here, but I didn't feel like I was full. I didn't feel like, uh, you know, I didn't feel like I know, I know, I know. So we went in the, in the sanctuary, and uh, we sat there, and, and we just, you know, we had, we had silence. We had just, you know, as they say, come to Jesus time. So I went up to that altar, and I just got down, and I just, you know, I just give it all up to him. I give up my spirit. I give up my finances, my house, my wife, my kids, my dogs, our goat. We give up everything. You know what I'm saying. I spiritually and, and give it all up to him. I said, Lord, here it is. And then that's when I felt the chain start loosening up. I felt the shackles start breaking free. But it, 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 uh, it come loose, but it stopped about, ha- about right here. And the next evening we was in there and we was... You know, we was praying over, and I told the table of James, I said, I've got a problem. I said, I can't break it loose. I said, there's some, I've got a burden that's hung. So we started praying, and we started praying hard. And that all day long we prayed, and all evening long, and all night long. See, so you don't have a phone, or you don't have a cell phone, or a clock, or anything. So you don't know, you know what's day, and you know what's night. And basically, that's all we need to know, really. Uh, so uh, we got ready to, ready to um, go back that evening and we was over there and I went back and I was praying again trying to get this burden removed off of me you know I wanted to be free I wanted that other shackle gone and um, so there was a guy that um, that I met one time I didn't know his name he, you know I don't know how he knows mine I guess the Lord told him my name but I was up front and we was, we was praying uh, praying hard over me and, and uh, we got up and started back and this guy missed me about halfway up the aisle he, he gets my hand he said Sammy Townley he said I need to pray over you he said, you got a burden that won't come loose. And he said, God's told me to pray over you. And he said, we need to get this going. So we went back up and we prayed and we prayed. And, and he prayed over me and, and uh, he started to get up. And he put, it, put his hand on my head and he said, you need to stay. He said, Jesus is coming. He said, you need to stay and just keep asking him to come. And about 30 or 45 minutes later, if everybody could have seen what I seen and felt what I felt, it would be a changed world. I, I mean, everybody... And I don't know if anybody's ever read the front of this right in here on the on the bottom. I was reading it a while ago when we was up there, but I thank everybody, even though you stand back there and you, you raise your hand and you rededicate your life, but when you come to that altar right there and you get on your hands and knees and you give it all up to him, then you, you feel it come in. I'm not saying that you don't feel it come in out there. And I don't want to step over anybody's toes, but he made this altar. If you read in the book, he made this altar for us sacrifice to give it up and when i when i give it up and let him come in front i'm telling you he's opening doors that's unbelievable for us but um he he laid on us that we need to we need to give and we're giving today with our testimony you guys and uh but that was that was our walk and that's our kind of our testimony and we just ask for everybody's prayers amen
Amen. Thank you. Bless y'all. You know, you, you can't explain it. You, you, you can sit here and I can preach till I'm blue in the face. I believe it started when Sammy stepped out that night with Joe McGee and said, I give my heart back to you, Lord, with all his heart. He, you know, I, I think that we can rededicate, try to go through the motions, but there comes a time when you actually get right with God and God responds immediately. You could see immediately he was walked into this Emmaus walk. And uh, that's what I want you to catch this morning. Sammy was so surprised in Molly with how many people had gone through the Emmaus walk. And I've never met anybody that was not completely impacted by it. I have never gone through it. Um, But there is a, you know, a group of people in our church that is absolutely going all out for God. And with... 100% of those are seeing God move in their life. And again, there's no way to explain it to you to get you to do it. If we could, why wouldn't you do it? Um, My life changed, and I've told you this before, kind of in my testimony, when I just made a decision, Lord, let your kingdom come, let your will be done over my life, regardless of what that means. I'm tired of fumbling around and making mistakes with my marriage, with my children, with my work, with my church. Enough of this. And it was just coming to a point of basically saying, I can't control it anymore, Lord. Lord, I've got to have you. And the great thing is God rescues you right then. When my baby started crying, like I didn't remember she knew how to cry like that. You know, she's five years old. She didn't throw big fits anymore. But when she got stuck in the mud, she threw a fit like she was two years old. I'm like, is that my child back there screaming? And the moment she started screaming... Mama rescued her. And God is right here with us. He's just saying, can you realize you need me? If you will just come to that point of saying, Lord God, I need you. I'm going to rescue you right away. I'm not going to make you wait. I'm not going to make you feel bad because of what you've done. I'm going to get you. I'm going to pull you in and I'm going to hold you close. And I can just see the power of God moving in the talent's life. Uh, I would encourage you. You've probably got saved as a child, maybe years ago, but you continue to take your heart back. Give it again. Give your heart to him again. Rededicate your life. All right. I hope that blessed you. I'm, uh, I said this this morning. I'll say it again. Uh, my dad always uses this joke. I'm going to say just like uh, Elizabeth Taylor said to her seventh husband, don't worry, honey, I'm not going to keep you very long. <laughs> say peace amen can y'all turn me on back there please there we go peace what peace nobody has peace anymore nobody has peace everybody's got the opposite of peace running in every direction things going on you're stuck in the mud can't see what is it you can't see the forest for the trees i don't know that i completely understand that but it's one of those things you know, everybody thinks they have the answer to peace of mind. If you go and you type into a search engine like Yahoo or something like that, peace of mind, you're going to get all kinds of stuff. Everybody thinks they have the answer to peace, whether it's a home security system. And, you know, we did that. We had a situation happen in our house, 
and we immediately called a security place, and because we wanted, when we went to sleep, we wanted peace. So we found it, we thought, in a home security system. You know, these flowers here, again, are of Doug, uh, Doug Bates, um, Abby, Abby Williams' dad. And many times we find peace at funeral services. Or others go to crystals or candles or body soap. Let's go light a candle, and then we'll have peace. Or if you do like my wife does, and you go to Starbucks. I need a Starbucks. And you think that coffee is going to give you peace. It doesn't. It gives you just the opposite. Get you all wiry. Get you all fired up. Um, I was sitting at, uh, she's not here, so I'm not going to aggravate her again. Our piano player, Tammy Jackson, and Elizabeth are very similar in the fact that they find their peace at Starbucks. Oh, you're crazy. She'll be in the middle of the day and just go, I've got to have a Starbucks. Well, I've got to get another job to pay for your Starbucks. Let's go pay $5 for a cup of hot water that has the logo on it. And yeah, but it's not Starbucks. So we were going through Knoxville, and she's looking for a sign anywhere. Where is a Starbucks? Couldn't type it into our GPS to find a Starbucks. And she started getting mad. She's really losing her peace. How can a city this big not have a Starbucks? I, I kid you not. That's what she was saying. I'm like, honey, it's going to be okay. So we found another option. We found a Dunkin' Donuts. And uh, we've never had their coffee. I said, honey, I've heard their coffee's great. So we stopped there, and I'm yelling at the kids. Kids got their headphones on. Take your headphones off. Put your shoes on. What is it, Dad? What are we doing? I said, Mommy wants to go to a furniture store. We're going to go look at furniture. And I'm lying. I just know what response I'm going to get from them. What? We're going to go to furniture? And we pull up to a donut store, which we never go to. If you know my wife, we do not eat donuts. My child would go into a, uh, a, uh, um, a convenience store and see the powdered, powdered sugar donuts. And she would always say, can I have these? And she would go, no, because there's trans fat in them. Well, she came in one day and she said, what are in these donuts? And I said, trans fat. And she said, I love trans fat. (laughs) My wife, being a nutrition background, you know, she is anti-trans fat. But Ruth Ann computed powdered sugar donuts to trans fat. So I want trans fat. So anyway. We get in there to, to Starbucks or Starbucks to Dunkin' Donuts and have our peace. She finally had peace. It did not meet her expectation of Starbucks, but she found her peace. We look for many ways to get peace. Even so far that people will go to hip- hypnosis therapy. And I want to encourage you just for a moment, be careful where you go looking for peace. Because some of the things that you can get yourself into won't just affect you, but it will affect your children and your children's children. And I said this at first service, that in second or third grade, I was a part of a seance where you levitate somebody. And I believe had I not found the Lord and grew up in a Christian home, I could have the possibility of my children having that generational curse being passed down and passed down. I am a big believer in generational curses. Go read scripture. Jesus came to be the curse for you. 
but we can easily slip outside of that and do things that will hurt us. Hypnosis is wrong. Witchcraft is wrong. And you can do things that can not just affect you, but affect your children and your children's children. And when it comes to peace, peace is very, peace is one of those things we, we, we uh, meditate, you know, be, be careful what you're doing. Be careful looking for your answers in horoscopes. I, I, let me just tell you something. I'm done apologizing. I may still do it. I'm going to try not to, but I'm going to try hard not to. I want to apologize because I feel like I'm stepping on toes. No, horoscopes are wrong. You are looking for direction from the stars and from something other than the Lord. And it's wrong. Uh, I went to Tennessee Tech the other day and had lunch with Robert Owens, and they've got tarot card readings right there in the UC at lunchtime. It's wrong, and it will affect you the rest of your life. Hallelujah. Let's get the, let's get the witchcraft off of us. Amen. I need peace. Who needs peace? Everybody thinks they have peace. There's a, there's a perfume out here called Peace Perfume. It says if you wear it, you'll have serenity. Well, glory be. I'll take some of that. Spray it on, peace. Don't you wish it was that easy? It's not that easy. Your problem is still right there even after you squirt that on you. People will travel to exotic places, do almost anything, sniff stuff up their nose that will damage their bodies for peace and experiment with New Age rituals, all kinds of things. But the truth is very few people in this world are at peace with themselves. Most of us carry stress and anxiety and tension. And as a pastor, I've noticed three things that tend to rob our peace, three things that steal the peace of mind that God intends for us to have. And I'm almost done. I'm going to go through these three things, and they're very quick. Number one, what will steal your peace? When circumstances are uncontrollable. How, how much of you know that so much of your life is out of your control? You think you're in control of it. That's the problem. You're not. You think you are, but you're not. You get frustrated by delayed flights and being stuck in traffic. And there's nothing you can do about it. You just sit there. But even more than that, the most important things in your life are usually beyond your control. I've met couples who want to have a baby and are having struggles. I've met singles that are wanting to be married and can't seem to, to figure it out, but trying to control it all. Lots of things just end up being out of control. And when that happens, we get frustrated and we lose our peace. Number two, when people are unchangeable. You know, people resist change. Try to change something in church. You know, it's not so bad when I'm working at Express Lube and I make a change. I'm one of the owners. You're just going to have to deal with it. But you do it in church. We've been talking, I'm just going to warn you, Elizabeth and I, and I haven't even talked to the deacons about this yet, so I might, I might, I might really be digging me a hole. But we've been talking about maybe refinishing or re-upholstering uh, these chairs. Oh, Lord. Those are precious chairs. Don't you remember when we got those and how we, what we did with those? And oh, my goodness gracious, you can't change the chairs. That sounds funny. People get bent out of shape over that. 
We changed the flower arrangement this morning. Who thought they could change the flowers? Anybody notice our new paved drive? Woo! Hallelujah. <laughs> I had somebody come up and say, finally fixed my pet peeve. I'm like, oh, Lord, what have we done? Because I couldn't tell if he was mad. Were you glad we fixed it or were you not glad we fixed it? Well, what have we done today? And it was the driveway. Man, I've been wanting that thing fixed for years. Praise God, it's fixed. You can thank Sam Talent. Sam Talent's been bugging us to death about fixing that. But you go and change the color of the carpet or talk about chairs instead of pews or talk about a piano or a keyboard or hymns or no hymns or hymn books or no hymn books or screens or no screens or two services or not two services. People don't want to change. Have you ever tried to do a uh, personal improvement program on your wife? <laughs> or on your husband? Or on your kids? And they don't cooperate and you can't figure out why? Can't figure out why they won't do this. You, you know, uh, you find something that works and come home and like, hey, we all need to do that. And she's like, I'm not doing that. Why not? This is the greatest thing ever. Well, you enjoy that. I'm proud of you. Go ahead and you do that. Rita Marie is my oldest child and a little 12-year-old. She was the tallest one up here dancing, and she is very proper and straight-laced, very conservative, uh, very good posture. She does not get it from me. I have to really think about standing up straight. I'd be another three inches taller if I'd stand up straight. My back would feel better. My tie wouldn't be too long. It would be just the right length. A lot of things would help me if I would stand up straight. It's just not. I, maybe maybe I'm just weak and stubborn. I just won't hardly do it. But she does. And she's been taking piano. And she's been doing great. And the teacher has finally said she'll sit there and play piano. Completely straight. No facial expression. And I mean kill it. Just all the way up and down. It's like, wow, Did were your fingers moving? And, you know, you're just. And the teacher said, Rita Marie, I know you've been taught this in dance, and this is kind of how you've been taught to sit, but you've got to relax. She's just like, no. <laughs> it's just not who I am. And then the teacher said, and that's not all. You need to move. You need to move with it. You need to have some expression. And she's like, Daddy, I'm not going to do it. And I'm like, honey, yeah, you are. You know, that's why you go to piano. Because you don't know it all. And because you don't have it all together. And this teacher even went to the point of getting behind her, putting her hands on her, which made her extremely uncomfortable, and started pushing on her. You know, have you ever sat under somebody, a teacher or a preacher that's completely monotone, speaking the same, no inflection, no facial expression, just, uh, 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 and even though he may have a great message, you miss it because you're asleep. Well, I catch half of you yawning. I've just noticed half of you are yawning. Maybe I do that too. If I can stop you from texting and stop you from doing everything else and have you listen for just a minute. But you, you've got to have expression. And I told Rita Marie, I said, Rita Marie, you don't understand it all. This is why you go to a teacher. 
And we can see here that in change, that the Holy Spirit desires to change you and puts your hands on you and asks you to move a little bit. Why? So that the crowd can respond to your playing. Watching a piano player is relatively boring until you see a finger come up in the air. Oh, what was that? Oh, all right. Oh, they got on rings. They had Liberace in it. Oh, yeah, look at that. And they keep you awake, put you to sleep with the beautiful music, but they keep you awake by their inflection. Are you with me? But the Holy Spirit desires to change you. The Lord desires to change you. And his changes are perfect. Maybe we don't respond perfectly, but his changes for you are perfect. When a teacher goes to a child to improve them and they don't want to do that, that is normal. That's why you're here. You sit there and wonder in college, why am I having to learn English again? Because you don't know it all. And you're going to have to realize you're going to get in a job that they're going to require you to learn something you don't want to learn. And part of school is learning what you don't want to learn. It's not necessarily that you're going to use compound verbs and adjectives and all that nonsense. Predicates, and I don't know what a predicate is. I did. I don't know why they had me learn that. But I learned it. I can tell you what it is. Cindy can clear me up at the end of class tonight, today. I want class. Uh, but we've got to change. People don't like change. And we get we lose our peace. When we start to have change, I have been so frustrated in church over things that are not under my control at all. I had no reason to be upset about it. It didn't affect me at all. But I let little things bother me. Have you ever been there, church? And then finally, when problems are unexplainable, there are so many things in life that you can't explain. Life is not fair, and it's not always living happily ever after. Amen? Things don't always turn out right. What makes it more difficult is you don't know why. Why? When you don't know why things happen in life and the reason they, and, and the way you intend for them to, to happen, you get frustrated. You get anxious and nervous and stressed and you lose your, you lose your peace. But let me close right here. I'm going to stop. God has promised you peace. Did you know there's a promise in scripture that says, I'm going to give you peace? It is a fundamental need of your life. One of the Hebrew names of God, as we've been looking at these names, is, do you know it? Jehovah Shalom. I am the Lord, your peace. He is our peace. One of the most used greetings in the New Testament is grace and peace. Jesus said uh, three times in John 20, peace be with you. And then look here in uh, John chapter 14, verse 27. He says, I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't fragile like the peace the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. He says, I'm offering you a gift of peace. And he means it. And it's not something that you work for. It's not something that you have to beg for. It's not something that you deserve. You don't plead for it. It's a gift. Well, maybe you say, well, then why don't I have it? Over the next few weeks, that's what we're going to look at, is how do we get our peace no matter what is happening in your life? God desires for you to have peace. God desires for you to have rest. 
Do you know that? God desires for you to have joy. It is time that we do what Sammy Talent did and give our heart again to the Lord. And allow him. The joy of the Lord is our strength. God is Jehovah Shalom. The Lord our peace. The Lord our peace. Will you pray with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, I just ask you to help us. Lord, we live in a, we live, we're Christians and we've got you in our hearts and we're spirit baptized, but we don't live with peace. We have no peace. Lord, I just ask you that as Sammy has done and Lord, as many have done in this church, you've given your heart to the Lord, but you have never really sold out. Would you sell out today? You know, in my life, I just had to make a, make a stand. It's not something that Elizabeth could do for me. It's not something my parents could do for me. It's not something my pastor could do for me. I just had to stand up and say, Lord God, let your kingdom come and let your will be done over my life, regardless of what that means. Would you do that today? just want to ask you right now, would you be willing to give your heart to the Lord again? You may already be saved, but you may say, Pastor, I'm tired of being stuck. And I want to give my heart back to the Lord. Would you do that today? Would you raise your hand if you want to say, I want to give my heart to the Lord again. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see hands all over the place. Would you give your heart to the Lord again? I've taken it back. I gave my heart to you when I was a child, but Lord, I've taken it back from you. Anybody else? I see that hand. I see that hand. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to pray a prayer, and I just ask you just to pray your own prayer, but you can grab hold of mine. I'm a, I'm a person that has heard what somebody else did, and I try what they do sometimes. And I just ask you, those that raised your hands and those that wanted to raise your hands, I want you to pray with me. Lord God, I just ask that those here that have raised their hands, Lord, would just pray this prayer like I prayed, of just saying, Lord God, let your kingdom come and let your will be done over my life regardless of the result. I've tried to hang on to the results. I've tried to make things happen as best that I know, and i failed. Nothing seems to work. But Lord, let your will be done in my life. Let your will be done in my life. And after you've prayed that prayer, I want you to do it again tomorrow, and again the next day, and again the next day. This is not a one-time shot. This is a this is a daily walk. Because Satan will try to get you to grab hold again. But don't do it. Keep giving it back. Keep giving it back to the Lord. Keep giving it back to the Lord. If there's anybody here that has never received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, I want you to know today is that day. Today is that day. Scripture says that if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord... And if you'll believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Would you do that today? Would you say, Jesus, I am in need of a Savior. I'm a sinner and I need you, Jesus. Come into my heart. I receive you as Lord Jesus. Would you do that today? We all stand with me? Those that are ministering, would you all come forward, please?
If you've given your heart to Jesus this morning and you need somebody to pray with you, if you've rededicated your life and you need somebody to pray with you, if you've got a health need, if you've got a financial need, if you've got an emotional need, if you've got a marriage need or a children need, whatever need you may have and you would like prayer, come up here and let us pray with you. I believe that God is a healer. I believe that God is a restorer. I believe that God is a redeemer. And he is ready and willing to move in your life right now. Would you step out? Amen.